0: Do you get overwhelmed emotionally, have a hard time processing your feelings, or do you repress your feelings? Do you have a hard time being around people who are feeling big things when you're around that? Does that overwhelm you? Today's guest, Rochelle Christiane, is here to give some insights from human design about emotions and motion centers and how we can be in right relationship with our own emotions and practice self-mastery. Join us to find out more. So Nectar
1: Show The Soul Nectar Show You're invited, delighted To describe who you are Anything is possible
0: if you believe So join us on this beautiful journey Soul Nectar Show Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird,
1: and I, Akeem Sami,
0: want you to know that
1: you are invited.
0: You're invited
1: to to join join Soul Nectar Nectar Tribe. Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show,
0: you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe.
1: We invite you to check it out first 30 days is free.
0: Right now, go to kerryhummingbird.com, k-e-r-r-i hummingbird.com forward slash membership and sign up. We'll We'll see see you at our next next tribe gathering. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence. Where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that, which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us towards something more true about ourselves that we can discover in the inquiry and in the experience of life. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I got to tell you, I look out there in the world and I see people arguing over their facts and their information and the information wars, you know, of 2020. And I just go, ha, ha, ha. That's like the story of my life. Like for at least 20 years of my life in a relationship where it was all about, well, can you prove it? Well, what's your facts? Can you point me to the direction of where you have that information? What study proves your point? It's like, I just know it. Is that enough? Like, I just know what I know, what I know, what I know, because I feel it in my body and because I experienced it. And that almost like that experiencing of it is more true. And when I finally gave myself permission to, to stop playing the proving game, I ended up in a space where I could actually just relax into my experience of life and start to trust that, trusting that life is bringing me everything I need to know about myself and the world. And it's bringing it to me in an experiential way that I'm, I'm having through my whole body, my emotions, my perceptions, my visions in my mind and, and it's well beyond just thought, you know, and, and words, although words are really helpful to describe some of what's going on, but it's just moving out of this space of, you know, everything has got to be so logical and rigid and explained and some kind of, you know, scientific study. And anytime I see those scientific studies now, I kind of laugh to myself because I'm like, you do know that this is a quantum universe, right? Like, You can prove anything you believe to be true by focusing your attention with that intention on it and it will make it so. So how do you know that you're right when of course you're right. You just intended to prove something through an experiment and then you ended up proving it. I still am not clear on how science embraces quantum physics and proving things. But anyway, that's probably the subject of another interview. I'll have to hunt down a quantum science scientist to explain that to me because I'm so confused about how they can prove all these things through science when I know that quantum physics lets you prove anything you believe. So that might explain why we have so much conflict in the world. And we're, you know, we're gonna have a really interesting discussion today with my guest, Rochelle Christiane, who's here to really talk to us about a number of topics, but especially we're gonna focus in on how can we understand each other better? by actually understanding each other's design, you know, and understanding that we're we're part, that each of us is unique and each of us is living an existence that has been sort of scripted for us by our higher selves. And we're stepping into the understanding of that to understand ourselves and then each other. And that clears up a whole mess of confusion, I feel, when you can actually understand that and not just understand it from your mind, but actually like, in your body, you know, in your experience. So, Rochelle is here. Rochelle, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here.
1: Thank you. So happy to be here.
0: And I would just tell you a little bit about Rochelle. So, she's a certified holistic health coach with a focus on gut health because the gut is where it's all happening, by the way, because that's how we integrate our experiences in the gut. That yeah, just sidebar. In combination, she uses human design and astrology to help guide and support women in their journey to self-trust, acceptance, and love. And She is an emotional manifesting generator, a Taurus sun, Leo moon and Leo rising. And therefore emotions have been a huge lesson in Rochelle's life and learning to self-regulate, trust and tap in to the higher self has been just a life-changing process. And that's why she leads this work, helps other people to do this. And you can get her gift, emotional mastery workbook on her website. I'll put that link in the show notes. So Rochelle, let's like, I really... I, you know, know, we've had these conversations offline about how just, I love the fact that there's maps to understand each other now. Like it's Mm -hmm. such a relief to have these maps based on our astrology and based on, you know, a, a deeper understanding of our soul's design of us. And so that's so helpful. How
1: did you start to get into this path for yourself? Yeah. So for me, for like most of my life, like we were just talking about too, I, I'm, I feel like my biggest lesson here was to learn self-love, right? To learn to trust myself. My emotions were huge. I was raised in, as we look at human design, I'm emotionally defined and my entire family is undefined, right? So I was the dramatic one. I was the emotional one. I was the sensitive one. I was always the one that was wrong, right? I internalized all of that to mean that I, there was something wrong with me. I felt like I was very alone in my feelings because my family didn't understand them. And then when they did feel them, they amplified it. So it was uncomfortable for them. So I was kind of always shut down. I wasn't allowed to be sensitive. I felt a lot that I was weak for having so many emotions. And I internalized that. I always, always kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? Like My mom was very kind of controlling of the situation. If it wasn't her way, it was wrong. So, I really internalized that for most of my life. And then I just ended up getting into really toxic and abusive relationships as I got older because I was just so used to being told what to do. I didn't know outside of that what to do for myself, right? I felt like, again, like I felt like I was always wrong. So, how can I trust my own decisions? How can I trust what I knew to be right? So, I really shut that down for a long time. And it literally got to the point where I was in a really bad marriage. I didn't even know who I was anymore. I didn't want my kids to think that, you know, being in a relationship like that was okay, right? I didn't want my daughter to think that's how she was supposed to be treated. I didn't want my son to think that's how he was supposed to treat women. And so I really, really hit this rock bottom where I was just unhappy, unhealthy. I drank almost every single day just to kind of numb out and and take myself out of my relationship. And I lost my job. It was literally rock bottom. And my ex went for a job interview and I packed up as much as I could and I left. And I just started... Right before that, I actually started going to the gym just because I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted some space during the day to come to my own. Um, and as a 6'3", manifesting generator space and freedom is huge. And I never really got that. So that was kind of where that began. And I think once I started to get myself a little healthier, once I started to move my body, because we know emotions are energy in motion, right? So once I kind of started to mix that up, I got a little bit more clarity on my situation and I left and it was the best decision I ever Made, I just started my healing journey. I started working out more. I started eating right. I started then gradually getting into spirituality. And, but I still like kind of had a confusion of that self trust and that self love. It still wasn't quite there. And then human design found me. I was, I had invested in um, an intuitive coaching program because you know everyone talks about intuition and self-trust. And at that time, I was like, yeah, okay, I know, right? Like all the books, like the personal development books, I had read everything I could get my hands on and it was always the answer is within you. But I was like, but I don't know what that is. Like, I don't even know myself enough to understand or to tap in or to trust that. So I invested in that and human design came up. The first time I looked into it, it was so overwhelming. I was like, book shut. <laughs> well, you know, it's too much because I really dive into things hard when I do. So I was like, nope, don't have the time for it. And then it came up again and I just could not stop. And human design and astrology was the one thing I think at the time was just the thing that gave me permission. And it showed me that all of these things that I thought were wrong about me are just who I am, right? There is no right and there's no wrong. It's we are who we are. And like you said, like we all, you know, even when it comes to that understanding people in my life and seeing their differences and how they are and how they think and their perspectives and their conditioning and all these things. And it just, it really gave me so much freedom within myself that I could actually start to love myself, like truly, fully, actually love myself.
0: Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so resonant with what you're saying because that permission to accept yourself as you are and to know that you're exactly who you need to be Mm -hmm. is so key. And, you know, who knows, had I had these tools of human design in my former relationship, We might have been able to stop some of the icky dynamics whereby I was being made to feel like there was something wrong with me, you know, because I was emotional centered because I am emotion centered, you know, so and I'm a two four. So I need to hermit and then I need to get out there and mix it up. So it seems split personality like because people are like, you're not the same. Like, how come you're so quiet and then you're so loud? Like, what's up with you? Well, that's just who I am. Like I'm actually built that way. I sequester and then I get out there and I mix it up. And then I sequester and I get out there and I mix it up. And I'm, you know, I know when I need to recharge, I'm a manifester, so I have to recharge. I need lots of time and space. And when I don't get that time and space, I get on edge and I get brittle and I get you know overwhelmed. And then I can't deal with all the emotional energy that's coming through because I'm not given any space. And I was with a partner who, really had a hard time giving me space. Oh, so, you know, if we had just understood that essential difference, we might've been able to modify our relationship and make it work, which is so beyond like psychotherapy, right? Like psychotherapy Mm -hmm. is making an attempt from the mind to help you understand things. But then this is a whole nother level. Like when you get a map like this, wow, like, isn't it illuminating?
1: Absolutely. And I think like when you come to the human design, which naturally I think, you know, kind of progresses into just awareness, consciousness, right? I think there's all the, depending on where you are in your journey, right? For me, that's how it's progressed. But like once you're doing the work on yourself and you have that awareness and human design and have the grace with others to be like, okay, this is just who they are. Like there's always gonna be an element of friction here and it's kind of like, you know, accepted or not. But I think like once you're doing the work yourself and coming to your own, it's naturally going to kind of like leak out into other people. We don't have to like force it so much. Because in past relationships, yeah, it was very much like, I'm going to change you. That was always my mindset before I like came into spirituality and human design and everything. Like I thought I I was going to be the one to change the other person. And it just doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. And isn't that funny projection? Because like
0: whatever we received in terms of us not being okay, we want to like modify the outside world to make it match more with us so that we feel more secure for not being rejected, right? But when... (laughs) This is what I love about all of these, you know, and you know that I'm enamored of the gene keys and it's aligned with human design as well. As I just love how it's showing us how diverse we are, like by design.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. And like parenting, I just, it's so helpful with my kids to like raise them and understand. But it's always, you know, I don't know. I think like this whole journey and this path, it's not, it's not like linear. And like we were talking about before, I think I get very, I've had to step back from the actual facts of human design and the researching and the constantly like reading the books, because I got to the point where I like had all this knowledge, but it was almost overwhelming to me because I think a lot of times we can then allow ourselves to be defined by our design. And I think personally, I think it should be the other way around, right? Like when I like have the knowledge and I have the information and I can put it away and step back instead of like getting into a trigger and immediately going to human design, like now I just can meditate come back to myself and my truth and my knowing. And it's naturally going to be exactly what my design says. Because I think we can get, especially, you know, when you're coming from a space of very low self-worth and needing something to validate you, when we come to this system, it can, we can cling to that. And then that can take the form of an, another individual, right? Coming into our lives. And so I think it's really important still to like, to come back to yourself, have grace with yourself, have compassion with yourself. Cause like this whole healing journey is not linear, right? It's, it's all over the place I've been, for me, it's been almost five years. And there are some days where I feel like I'm no further along than the first day that I started this, but I know there's, there's so many shifts along the way.
0: Yeah. I love that. I I actually agree. And what I've realized is that it's the intention setting. So like in my groups we we usually explore one of the gene keys one per month you know, so if we're going up the Venus sequence, we start at this, the bottom and we go up to the the end of the sequence, which is six six spheres, you know, mm-hmm. but so we know that every month we're going to explore the next sphere, and so sometimes some of my students get busy with their lives and they think they're not doing the work, and they're like, "Oh, I haven't looked at this," and then they come to this the Sunday class and they go, "Oh my God, my whole week has been about this." <laughs> Like my entire week has been hitting on this Mm -hmm. shadow in my chart. And it's like, oh my gosh, like life conspired to show it to me, even though I thought I wasn't doing the work. So there's lots of ways to play and dance, you know, with these, with these expressions of our,
1: of our design. Yeah. That's such a beautiful thing. And with human design, they go in seven year cycles, right? So the idea behind it is that within seven years, every cell in your body will regenerate itself, right? So essentially after seven years, you can shed all the conditioning and like actually step into who you are. And, you know, Richard Rudd talks about it in Raw for Human Design. He talks about it too. And it's really like, once this information begins to permeate you, whether you're in there every single day researching and, and like, you know, digging into a different gate or like looking at your sun sign or whatever, it doesn't matter how intensely you're in it. It's still there doing the work. Like you said, like you may learn something and then leave it for a week and then come back to it. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like all of this has shown up for me this week and I didn't even realize it. And it's just, it's such a beautiful, cool thing to just really it's, it's surrendering to the universe and just letting it do its thing because it's going to come to you.
0: It is. And it's putting your attention and your willingness on it, you know? So what we're really doing with all this is playing with the archetypal energies, you know? So there's an archetype of the hermit. There's an archetype you know, of the politician, there's an archetype, you know, all these archetypes and we're dancing in these archetypes. And when we open up this um, field to explore, we can actually do it from the sense of knowing that those archetypes are going to come alive within us and reveal to us exactly what we need to know, with just like the tiniest little bit of information. Like it's like you said, like, that's why I love Richard Rudd. The way he does the Gene Keys is that you just like listen to like a 15, 20 minute audio, right? Mm-hmm. That's all you need. Or you could listen yeah. to, you know, you could read the like six pages in the book about your your Gene key, or you could just listen to 15 minute audio. It doesn't matter. It's going to start transmitting things through you. Like realizations, your brain, your body is going to wake up and go, that's right. We have that archetype inside of us and we're playing with that.
1: Mm-hmm. And Richard Wright has such a beautiful way with words. I he love reading poet. his stuff. Oh, he absolutely is. If anybody has read Raw's material, it is... So- Raw has a certain way of talking that you either love it or you hate it, but he's just like all over the place, like get to a point. But Richard is really like, again, beautiful with the words. Yeah. He's, it's like poetic and it's just makes so much sense. So it's, I love reading his stuff. It's just, it's beautiful.
0: And I think that each one of us, like you were saying, like can take that inner journey too. like get some information, get started on it and then like
1: shut the books and just kind of mm-hmm. go in your experience. Yeah. I think that's the most powerful way to learn it because, you know, when human design, we really focus on your type strategy and authority. And it's like, if you can embody those, if you can understand those, everything else is going to fall into place. Like human design is so complex. It has so many layers. We can go into cognition. We can go into line qualities. We can go into motivation, right? We can go into like tone, color, all of these different things. But at the end of the day, if you're living life, according to your type, strategy and authority, like things are naturally just going to fall into place. And I think we can get, we all want to know about ourselves, right? Because I think a lot of times within this, we do feel really alone. We feel alone in our experiences. We're not, but we do feel alone in our experiences because we're alone in our head, right? Like we can't hear what anybody else thinks. We can't, you know, we're just assuming, which we shouldn't assume, but we do. And so it's just like, it's such a powerful thing to just come back to the basics and really just focus on that. And I think that's where I was, like I said, I was so deep into the knowledge and it's really cool to know, but then to come back and just be like, okay, I'm just going to work on my emotional authority right now, right? Because if I'm not if I'm not following my emotional authority, the rest doesn't matter. I'm still going to trigger myself. I'm still going to get triggered by life. I'm still going to make the wrong decisions. I'm still going to be confused and going up and down. And if I'm not coming back to myself at the end of the day, knowing what the tone of this gate is, isn't really going to matter.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's that experience, right? It's that inner mastery. So talk a little bit about, because I know making decisions, intuition is such a big area for people and mm-hmm. how do they know that their decision is right? And especially like when you look out in the world right now, like with the vaccines and all of this, like people are like, how do I know if I make the right decision? You know, do I take the job or not take the job? Like people might be really questioning about that. And then do I keep taking it or not? Like there's a lot of confusion around mm-hmm. what's the right strategy. And then the science is not matched up. Like some scientists say this and some scientists say this. You know, so who's yeah. right? So how do people, I mean, what's, give some tips about emotional authority, like, or there's other types, right? like there's gut authority, like mm-hmm. there's splen- splenic authority, like there's all these different ways, like give us a rundown of like, how do people make decisions?
1: So yeah, in human design, there's seven different authorities. You have emotional, sacral, splenic, self-projected, ego manifested, um ego ego completely lost what that last one was. um, and then mental. I'm missing one in there. but um, so there's seven types, sorry, I complete I know it's an it's an ego one ego project ego manifested, self-projected, anyway. But so, yeah, once you learn your authority in human design, that's really the way that your intuition speaks to you, right? So if you're emotional authority, you have to go through this wave of emotions. You have to go up, you have to go down, you have to come back to your neutral space. If you're sacral or spleen, it's it more and in, in the moment knowing. Um, sacral is going to be... Sacral is really cool because... And sacral is only for generators. So sacral is really cool because you can kind of tap into that and it actually speaks through you. So like if you ask me a question, like, you want to go for dinner? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to go for pizza? Uh-uh. Right? Like it's, you can kind of play with that and have people in your life, like ask you questions like that. And especially kids are very cool. Both my kids are generators. So I can kind of play with that and be like, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And of course, most of the time my son's like, uh-huh. And my daughter's like, oh, <laughs> so it's like then finding that balance of like, okay, well, can we agree on something? Splenic authority, Spleenic is very... Spleenic is in the moment. It's like one hit. It speaks. It's quiet. It's probably the most, uh, like when we, you know, when we learn about intuition, intuition is very quiet, right? Intuition comes from a space of love, not a space of ego. So I feel like the splenic authority is kind of like that in the sense that it speaks once, it speaks quietly. So your actual physical health is really important if you have splenic authority, because if, you're, if your body, if your vessel isn't running properly, you're not really going to be able to tap into that. And then you have, yeah, ego manifested. So you have your ego center connected to your throat, which is a manifester. And so they really have to listen to like what they want. That's going to be really important. And it's going to be about speaking. Then you have self-projected projector and that's uh, the ego or sorry, the heart center. Yeah, the identity G center is connected to their throat. And again, it's the kind of similar. They really need to speak out loud to understand what is right for them. And then you have mental, uh, whereas you have your head connected to your throat and everything below is open. So for them, it's really important to be in the right place, be very aware of where they're at and how that feels to them to know if something is right for them or not. But at the end of the day, I really think because there's so, it gets so loud out there, right? There's so many opinions, like you said, there's so many facts, there's so much science, there's so much people wanting to project and push their values on other people so for me it's just been a matter of really meditation is like my number one biggest advice no matter what your authority is come back to that space in meditation where you can really tap into yourself because it's, it is like how do we know what's best for us right and it's like if I make a decision but everybody else is making a different decision and there's a lot of shaming going on right now if you don't get the vaccine and your family shaming you or if you do get the vaccine and your spouse doesn't want to get it there's shame there right and I think that's that is just a big one that's you know, in the last year, obviously that's been kind of big. So it's like coming back to yourself and trusting that because you are going to get pushback. You are going to get shamed sometimes if you allow it. If you allow if that triggers you, right. But yeah, I know in my personal experience there's been a lot of of low-key shaming coming from certain people. And I just have shame. to yeah, it's like not outward, like you know, t- but it's it's there. And yeah, it's so subtle it's shaming. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And so it's just coming back to myself and understanding that what's right for me isn't going to be what's right for you. And having grace and compassion in that. Like I'm not going to shame you for your decisions if you feel that it's right for you that I trust you enough to know that that's what's right for you, right? It really at the end of the day your decisions, granted if if you're my partner, if you're my child like yes, your decision, decisions may affect me more. Or so, but at the end of the day it's your decision. Like when I started my journey, that's what I always had to tell myself when when my mom wanted or my friends wanted to tell me what I should be doing. It's like at the end of the day, when I get in bed at night, they're not up in here. They're not in my head. They don't have to go to bed with all of the chaos that goes on in there. So I would rather this be calm and quiet and be sure of myself than to do something for someone else and just sit there and my mind is spinning at night and unhappy and resentful and angry and bitter, right? So. Yeah, it's so true.
0: You know, I was curious because, like, do people have more than one? They just have one authority, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. Yeah. So I'm a manifester, but I don't have that manifestor authority. I have the emotional emotion center authority. So, yeah. So, so that if you are, is super
1: intense sometimes. It really is, yeah. So if you're a generator, well, any type except for reflectors can have emotional authority. But if you're a generator, you will only either have emotional or sacral. If you are a manifestor or a projector, you can have emotional, but you won't have sacral, but you can have emotional splenic or one of the other ones. And then obviously reflectors have no centers defined. So reflectors have, we call it lunar, right? So they have to wait a 20, 28 day cycle to like, so that they can really taste all the other authorities so that they can come back to themselves and, and know if feels best for them. Oh,
0: that's intense to have mm-hmm. to wait 28 days. Yeah. <laughs> I have impatience in my chart. That would be really hard for me. I like to make decisions much more quickly.
1: Well, and you're a manifester, right? So you want to initiate, you want to manifest, you want to do things now. And so for you to have to wait out an emotional wave feels very unnatural.
0: It does. It's very actually challenging to, Mm -hmm. because then I also have repression. Yeah. So, and Uh, repression is a core theme in humanity, right? Like we repress how we actually feel and we, mm
1: -hmm. anybody
0: out there do that? (laughs) Repress (laughs) how you actually feel. And then yeah. you have to like give yourself space to like feel what you actually feel. Encourage yourself mm-hmm. to feel what you actually feel, and then feel it fully all the way through
1: until the end. That's a lot. Yeah. I for emotional authority types, I always just my mantra for myself, especially when I get in my lows. Because uh, do you know what channel you have defined that creates that emotional authority? I don't know off the t- off okay. The so mine I'm is less 12. skilled there <laughs>
0: than I am in the other space, the pinky
1: space. Yeah. Well, my so mine is 12, the channel 1222, which is the most, I it's kind of the most chaotic of them because it's very much like the passion and the romance, and the music and all that stuff, right? Some of the other ones aren't as like as intense as that. Where would that be? The emotional authority? How do I know? So- Echo w- center? No, so your emotion, your emotion center is the one on the far right. It's like that triangle. But like what channel, what is the channel that connects it to your throat? 36. 3635. Uh huh. Okay. So 3635 is a collective channel. So that's all about experiences. Like you cling to experiences because you want to experience it to share with the collective, right? (laughs) Yes. So that one, uh, like you were talking about earlier, that one's connected to gate 30, right? Whether you have it active or not, it's still within that that, uh, circuitry in your emotional center. So gate 30 is called the clinging fire, right? So it's like you have this this expectation, you have this thing that you're clinging to and then it passes it on to this 35, 36, right? And again, it's all about experiences. You will, you want to experience things for the collective and because it's an emotional center, there's an element of passion and sexuality to that as well. And so that becomes a collective thing and not, not collective in the sense of, I mean, it could be, it could be collective of like, oh, you know, orgies or whatever that, you know, but it doesn't necessarily, it's just wanting to have those experiences to share, to share, to help people, right? It's not, it's not so much like, sharing intimate details about your life, but it's having those experiences that you know. So you have that experience.
0: Yeah, I have that all
1: the time. I started realizing it. Like I started, like years
0: ago, I started like realizing, I think I'm feeling more than just my stuff. And then I would go on social media, I'd be like, is anybody else feeling whatever I was feeling? And they'd be like, yes, oh my God. And like everyone saw, I was like, that is so weird. Mm-hmm. To realize that it was like, wow, like, I'm feeling what everybody else is feeling or like this group of people anyway. And then to like, talk about it, you know, to really experience like sampling it and tracking it and kind of go deep within myself with it. And then that's where most of my writing comes from.
1: Mm-hmm. That collective experience. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's beautiful. Mine is uh, so my channel is individual, right? So in a way, it almost makes me selfish, right? Because it's like, I get so caught up in like what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing, not so much. It's not so much for everyone else, right? And it's not to say that I don't want to, you know, I have a six, three profile. And so the six line is the role model, right? So like within my life, I'm collecting all of these experiences and I'm observing things that I can share and be there at, at the end when I hit 50, right? I can come down and be the actual role model because I've experienced and trialed and erred, but like my specific emotional channel and my wave is individual. And so when I get, when I get low, it's like all consuming. But I always like my mantra when I get in that space, because it can it consumes me mentally, it consumes me physically and it's so intense. But I just always sit there and like this too shall pass. Like this is not forever. And it feels so hard when you're in it, right? When you're in that space. And that's why things like meditation have been in journaling and movement. Like last week or two weeks ago. I was in such a low space. I just like, I didn't even want to get out of bed. I felt like so heavy in my body. I didn't work out for three days. You know, like it's always in those times that we don't do the things that we know is going to help, right? Because we just feel so low and so down. But like once I started going back to the gym and I started like drinking more water and I kind of picked myself up a little bit, I literally woke up at like three o'clock in the morning. and I was like, oh, the feeling is lifted, right? It's like coming back to these tools that we have to give ourselves to come to this space of clarity. Because even if you're not emotionally defined, people who are not emotionally defined, take it and amplify it. And especially, so if you're undefined, it means you have a gate activated. So you might like my son, he has an undefined emotional solar plexus, but he actually has a lot of active gates. So if you are completely open, you have no active gates in a center. So people who are open emotionally the ones that I've spoken to when they actually allow the, because they're very disconnected from their feelings. Because if you think about it, it's literally this center that's floating over there all by itself with no activations and no energy going towards it. So they almost like kind of shut it off. I've noticed um, open emotional people just they're Yeah, they're very disconnected to the emotions. But when they do feel them, when they do allow them in, I, I've had people who are open, tell me that when they actually feel emotions, they feel like they're dying. It's so intense. And so that's why they, I think they have to shut it off. Because if you walk around allowing that in all day from your experiences and from life, that can be really, really intense.
0: It can be, that's what repression
1: is for. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's our job as emotionally defined people to really regulate our emotions, understand our emotions so that we can show the people who are open and undefined how to properly control those so that it doesn't become so overwhelming and so intense because we're out here pushing that on everyone. Oh, that's so so interesting. mm Mm-hmm.
0: That's a fascinating statement. Yeah. You know, I am aware that, you know, as an emotionally centered person and a person with big energy, when I show up in a space, I am felt like I am definitely influencing the atmosphere of the, of the event, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed this throughout my life, even when I was unconscious. And I kind of started getting resentful. Like everyone just expects me to be happy. And when they're when I'm happy, they all love me. And when I'm not happy, it's like there's no space for me to be not happy. So that's why I think it's so important to have community. You know, for people who are emotion-centered need to have community where they can be held they have powerful emotions they're feeling so that they don't have to feel like that's wrong or bad to have those emotions, but just in a space
1: where people have the capacity to hold space for that
0: mm-hmm. kind of emotional
1: expression. Yeah. I have somebody in my life that I care like deeply about and I feel like this individual they're open emotionally And so obviously this is where this information is so cool to me to be able to be like That's why instead of internalizing it not just that I don't internalize it sometimes because I do But because I am emotionally defined and I have intense emotions and i'm a leo moon and leo rising So my emotions are just i'm all over the place with my emotions I've learned to like self-regulate them, but for most of my life, they were just flying all over the place. But there's a specific person that I care a lot about and they're open emotionally. And so whenever I tend to be with this person for one reason or another, like my emotions kind of take over sometimes and it's, it's a cycle thing, but, and I'll get to that. But like, I feel like because I am like that, it's so uncomfortable for them. They don't like that feeling. And so then I tend, they don't want to hang out with me as often. And I internalized that for a long time of like, oh, you don't like me. You don't want to be with me. But then at the end of the day, it's like if if you're open emotionally and you're constantly with someone who has big emotions and big emotional waves, that's very uncomfortable for you to be around. So it's like, then like we said earlier, it comes on to me to be like, okay, today I'm emotionally neutral. Maybe today would be a good time to hang out with them. So I'm not pushing my emotions on them, right? The person's very safe and I feel safe with them. And that's probably why I enjoy it. But like, right, it's like having that knowledge that it's not. Have you read the Four Agreements? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. One of my favorite. So take books. yeah, take nothing personal. Be impeccable with your words. Uh, assume nothing and do the best that you can. Right. So it's like really, it's come to this like learning to not take it personal, not assume anything, because you don't know. But the energetics of it, you know, when you can look at just the energetics of it, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Well, and this is about being conscious, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so when we have these maps, human design map, Gene Keys map, these maps, we can understand ourselves better and we can understand others. And then in the understanding of all of this, we can allow it to be what it is. We can accept it. We can embrace it. And then we're in a space of like, we can make a conscious choice about it. So it's not like, for example, previously, I would feel like, gosh, you know, like people don't like it when I'm serious or I'm feeling sad. And I feel like unaccepted as me when I'm doing that. And that's hard for me to be unaccepted, right? And at the same time, it's like, well, that's my conscious choice now. Now that I'm aware of where it all comes from and why it all is, you know, outside of the psychotherapy model, which just sort of says it's broken, you know? So Mm -hmm. I just like put that model aside and went, thank you for sharing. I think there's another way to understand myself. And now in this space of neutrality, it's like, we can make conscious choices like you're making, like to say, hey, okay, I know that I'm having, my friend is an open emotion center. It's hard on them when I'm emotional. So today's a pretty neutral day. So I'm feeling up. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling good today. Today would be a good day for us to hang out. And, you know, the other stuff, well, I have other people that can handle that depth Mm -hmm. and actually enjoy it. You know, so like when I'm with my emotion-centered people and my groups and things, like we actually love the emotion. We're like, this is great. You know, that feels like such a relief to like let it flow through. And if there's tears, it's like a relief because it's like the rain in the jungle,
1: you know? Mm -hmm. It's just so nice to have it clear. Yeah, and you as a group, you're not amplifying the emotions, right? Like if I'm in an emotional wave, you're emotional, it's not gonna affect you. Do you know what I mean? Like you can, you... It gives you the beautiful, compassionate grace to sit there and actually truly hold the space for me and not take it on as your own. Exactly. And so when you are with people who maybe don't respond to you when you're in a low, those people probably are undefined emotionally or open, right? Because they're feeling it so intensely that they don't want to be with you. And it's not a reflection of your worth or your value or anything like that it's just, it's uncomfortable for them. That's how they're feeling. And so, yeah, just just understanding that is beautiful. Yeah. And I think
0: understanding people like, like you had mentioned mind-centered, you know, obviously mind-centered people and emotional centered people are going to have a hard time understanding each other, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, especially if the mind-centered person has an open emotion, right? It's like, Ooh, this is uncomfortable. Get this out of my space. So, you know, maybe we can understand why, you know, this whole phrase that opposites attract. Well, that might be so, so that we can learn about ourselves,
1: you know? Yeah. I think that's, that's the lessons there. You know, the, the lesson is in the opposite. And I think if you're doing this, you know, when we look at uh, just going to like human design and like connection charts, right? You can pull connection charts together and there are connections that work and connections that don't work. And I'm putting air quotes here. Because I don't believe that, you know, opposites do attract, right? You are going to have that pull. But, you know, with that pull is the spark. It's both. There's a duality in everything, right? So it's like you're going to have that intense attraction, but then it's also going to have that repulsion too. And it's not to say that something like that can't work. It's having the awareness and the consciousness to understand like, hey, this is a lesson for me. And sometimes you know, it comes in phases. Sometimes you're there to learn that lesson and then it's going to fizzle out, right? Because like once you embody, like if somebody's triggering you, what whatever it is, or if you're jealous of something, if somebody has, or if you're attracted to somebody because they're confident, it's because you want that. So once you learn that lesson and get get to that point, that person may fall out of your life. And that's, it's hard to do from a mind place, right? Because you want to make sense of it. You want, your mind will spin and spin and spin and ask more and more questions and it just never lets it go. So it's, really coming back to that intention and like your body and and really knowing what's true. And I think a lot of relationships at least you know mine in the past, my I wanted to change them, I wanted to fix them. I wasn't aware. I didn't have this level of I didn't know what human design was. So it was like I was clinging to something that clearly wasn't working just because I thought that's that's what I was supposed to do. I wasn't happy, they weren't happy. And so I think yeah, just coming to that space of, you know, this is all this is supposed to be fun, right? Like we're supposed to learn lessons here. And it is serious and it is hard and there is trauma and there is pain. And I think being an emotional person is so beautiful because it's like it's like poetry, it's like music. Like I can sit here in my pain and it can be so hurtful, but I can still somehow find the beautiful lesson in that, right, I can sit there in that pain sometimes and just be like, this is a beautiful thing that I get to experience this in this life. It doesn't always feel good, but at the end of the day, I just kind of come back to that, like, these are my lessons, this is my experience, and this is this is supposed to be fun also, so it kind of like lightens it a little bit,
0: yeah, I was actually realizing because i I've been contemplating the the gene key of seriousness in the shadow mm-hmm. that goes to ecstasy along the path of delight mm-hmm. and it's my culture, which means that it's my my main prosperity. It's how I'm prosperous, and you can imagine how that pokes at my pain point around. Nobody likes me when I'm serious, but they all love me when I'm delighted, you know, and it's like so not fair and all of this. But that's because I've been in the inquiry, like what my soul obviously needed to learn that lesson, like you're taking things too seriously, buddy, like, you know, like, let's move forward and see the ecstasy in life. And there's been these moments like in group with like where I'm able to express feelings or where people are expressing and, and I'm feeling that emotional wave move through me. And on the other side of that, or even in the midst of that experience, there actually is this feeling of ecstasy like, wow, like this is amazing that I can feel all of this inside my body is so incredible. And there's like this moment of like just sheer delight in it like, wow, like I can feel. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know how the mystery of that happens, but it does, it all happens inside of me. And it yeah. feels so, it's like cathartic, you know, which is that ecstasy part. It's like that cathartic
1: release of what's ever pent up. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like I, yeah, I, I, I pushed back against my emotions for a long time and I really didn't like it. I was like, this is too much. I don't like feeling it. But at the end of the day, it's like we, like when we meet people or we connect with people, we're getting to, we want to actually know them. Right. Not, not to say that other people don't, but it's like, I think when you're non-emotional, you can have, you can easier have those surface level conversations. Right. But it's like, for me as an emotional person and you being an emotional person, it's like when we actually let someone in our life, like we are letting them in because we have observed and we have felt over and over, like, right. We've gone through these range of emotions and it's like, we're truly here to actually know that person on such a deep level in person, it can be something, it can be anything, right? Like you're passionate, it can be music, it can be movies, like whatever that experience is, it can be sex, it can be food, right? Whatever that experience is, is, we're so deeply emotionally invested in it. And like I said, it can be hard, but it's just, but it's also so amazing. Yeah. It's
0: immersion. It's total immersion. And yeah, some people don't know that. And they, the surface conversation, I, I don't feel alive. Like if I'm if I'm in a surface conversation, I feel like a piece of cardboard. Yeah. And I guess for some people it's fulfilling, but for me, I feel like flat and lifeless. You know, if mm-hmm. if I'm not diving into some like really esoteric or deep conversation or really feeling something or really like expanding my senses, like feeling can be a lot of things, you know, besides emotions. If I'm not really stretching that muscle and like really taking in information, I feel kind of like bored and... Like, what am I? And I restless. I get restless. Yeah. It's hard. It's and, really shallow. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the weather today?
1: <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> who cares? Yeah. So, I, I bartend part time. And sometimes, like, th- there are people that come in and you know that they just want to talk, right? And you just, they want to be heard. And there are some people who want to have the surface level conversations. And those, for me, too, are really uncomfortable because part of me is like, I feel like you're hurting, right? Like, if you don't want to go beyond like the weather, and this is an umbrella statement. Obviously, everybody's different, and you know, like energetics and all that stuff. But I just feel like if you, and uh, granted, I'm not saying that everybody that comes into a bar is going to sit there and pour their heart out to the bartender. <laughs> That's a like a lot, the lot of people type. do. They people do, of course. Later. Oh, oh, absolutely. And a lot of people that do come to, into the bar, like there is, there is a sadness to them. That's why they're there every day, you know. But I think, yeah, it's it is hard for me, It, especially. When I started doing that, it was really hard to have those surface level conversations because like I'm I internalized this for a long time. And I'm not saying I'm not fun, but like I'm not that like the quote unquote like fun one. Like I have never really been like I, I I partied when I was younger, but like it never felt natural to me, right? Like I always just wanted to be at home and learning. And and so like I guess I'm I'm tend to be more of a serious type, but there's fun in that to me at least. But that's at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? As long as I'm having fun doing it. And it's finding the people that are there with you for that. So I think a lot of times we like want to fit in with certain groups and certain people. And there's just like a disconnect. And again, coming back to yourself, meditating, like, do I actually want to be part of this? Is this actually, is this like making me smaller? Cause I have to now shrink down to like hide my authenticity so that I will fit into this group or is it expanding me? Right. Can I show up and have a conversation and it be beautiful and expansive and we, we learn and we grow, you know, and that's, that's personally where I'm at, but everyone's at a different place in their journey.
0: Everyone's at a different place in their journey. And, um, you know, I had to learn the hard way that when you're an emotional processor and you can feel everything and you can feel the depth and you can feel beyond even to things that people don't know that they're ha- experiencing. And you can touch on those things, like with your words, like I found this. And I found out that people don't always appreciate that. And especially not if they want to stay at the surface. You know, if they want to stay kind mm-hmm. of like up here, they get upset if you poke out something that's like way under here, that's painful. They're, they get really upset. And so that was another form of like my self-restraint, you know, and really respecting and honoring that people are in a different place. There's actually like, there's impact that as emotional processors, we have on other people that we may not, we may be completely unconscious about. We may think everybody knows that that person is completely upset, even though they're acting like they're fine, but we know they're not because we can feel it Mm -hmm. and they don't even know it sometimes they've been like denying or repressing it in their own consciousness. And so to point it out, like brings it into awareness and then they might have like a huge emotional like release at that moment. That's not appropriate for that moment, you know? So yeah. that's why, you know, I used to do this at B&I. That was my last lesson in that. I went business networking international and I was, there was a friend of mine in the group and she was avoiding me. And I was like, why is she avoiding me? So I like put myself right in front of her and I was like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, I can't talk to you right now because I know you're going to cause me to be emotional.
1: Hmm. That was a huge wake up call. It was like let people avoid me if they need to avoid me, you yeah, know? Yeah. And for you to have that awareness, but I also do think like you said there's you, you talked about like having that self restraint to know like when to or when not to with people, but I also sometimes think like everything happens for a reason, right? So you may have provoked somebody and pushed somebody and gotten them emotional and maybe they like fall off and you never talk to them again in your life, but perhaps that person like you maybe you actually started their journey for them. You're just never going to know. I'm never right? going like, to know like, exactly. Yeah, I think we're all in the right time, exactly where we're supposed to be, doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And I think what's hard for a lot when we get so mental is like we want to know, right? Like even and that's why it's so hard sometimes to like trust your intuition because it's like I may be leaving the house and something in me is like, "Oh, go grab something, you know, or go check something or go grab this book or, you know, whatever it is." And it's like what would happen if, you know, we, we kind of want to test it. Well, like, what would happen if I didn't? But then what would happen if I did? You're never going to know, right? Just like trust it. And so like, I, I've just had to just like let it go and just like trust whatever it is that is coming to me and let go of needing to know what the alternative would have been. Because you're never going to know. You have yeah. one choice, right? You can go this way or you can go this way. You can't go both. I mean, you can in the quantum field because you're not going to know. I guess know. multiple realities <laughs> happening. That's why there's so many multiple realities <laughs> happening
0: at every choice point. I wonder yeah. what would happen if I did that. Yeah.
1: But we're only in this physical one, right? Like you can meditate, I'm sure, and transcend into the other one, but it's not, you know. And I think that's there's a lot of people like when we have like certain connections with people that don't really make sense, I think in this reality, I truly do believe it's because we have like an intense relationship with them in another reality and, you know, another path that we took that we didn't didn't align with here, but it happened.
0: Yeah. And other past lives and things like that Mm -hmm. too, that explain things. So having all these tools is helpful for navigating these relationships and for, and for making sense of like why it is that our interactions with people are the way that they are. And then that all gives us consciousness to make choices, right? So now I consciously practice restraint because that also is one of my gifts in my, actually my life's work is practicing restraint, you know, and going into stillness. And so it's not it's not shutting myself down, that's not what it is. It's like I'm allowing everything to be present within me. I'm just restraining it long enough for the right answer to come forward. Cuz it might be that I need to go talk to my friend at B&I. It might mean that I need to walk up and say, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. But if I don't slow down and get still enough, I won't know if that's coming from my insecurity or if that's coming from a divine message. So, you know, it's that learning ourselves and how to navigate our inner realm. So important. That's why I love the work that you do. I'm I'm so glad you help people understand themselves better through the human design and their astrology. So tell us a little bit about how you work with people. I know that you have a free gift that you offer, the uh, Emotional Mastery Workbook,
1: Mm -hmm. and I can link to that. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is available now. So as an MG manifesting generator, which is my human design type, like I am so multi-passionate, multi, I just, there's so many things that I want to incorporate, but like my main focus, my journey started in health and fitness. And so that's why I began to be a health coach, holistic health coach, because I believe like it all ties in together. And the reason I was even further certified in gut health is the gut is connected to the emotional solar plexus. And 99% of illnesses, especially in America, but 99% of illnesses are tracked back to our gut, right? So it's all these chronic diseases, stress, all the inflammation, it all has to do with our gut. And so I really help people from a holistic perspective, like get themselves to a space because for me, again, my, my journey working out and starting to choose better foods and things that made me feel good. And that's my goal is to make you feel good. It's not so much the number on the scale. Like I don't do the health per- stuff in that. It's not fad dieting. It's none of that. I want you to get to a place where you can trust yourself and your decisions and know what feels good for you because it's, that's, it's feeling good. And so we use these things like uh, spirituality, human design, astrology, your food, nutrition, movement, finances, career. Like we literally look at it from a holistic perspective and i have a wheel that we use. So right in the beginning of a session we can understand, you know, what areas you might need support in, what areas you're doing great in. Maybe you have a great social life but your actual relationship is suffering, right? So it's like what can we do? You know, are you eating the right food or are you eating a diet that's high in processed foods? And it's not about completely making a transformation right now because nothing in life Is going to happen overnight. There are no quick fixes. It's going to be constant, continually showing up for yourself, making the right decisions, but within that, not having shame for yourself either. You know, maybe you do go out one night and you have, you know, I don't know, something super unhealthy and then like a dessert and then you don't feel that great. But it's more of like, let's touch, tap into our body so we actually know how we feel. Because I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand what feeling good feels like because they're so used to feeling bad. And so my work is really to A, help you with human design and astrology in the sense of getting to love and accept yourself for who you are, kind of help you shut out those, the noises, the outside noises, and just come into yourself. And then with meditation, journaling, movement, health, all these other things, we can actually really get you feeling good. And so then it just, in the combination of the two, it's just such a beautiful transformation. You just become this, you know, you come free within yourself and, and, and just grow and, yeah, that's my, that's my goal with anyone that I work with. That's a beautiful goal. I love it. Really good messaging.
0: Really awesome. Well, I just, you know, we're at the part of the show where I'm going to ask everybody if you've been really listening and gotten a lot out of this broadcast, I'm going to ask for your support. Please like and follow and subscribe and share and all of those good things and maybe get brave, courageous and share it with somebody who might be interested, who might be just on the beginning of being interested in this kind of thing. And You know, it might be outing you as woo-woo or spiritual, but that's okay because, you know, the more we own ourselves and our truth, the better it gets and the more courageous we get about sharing ourselves and and belonging. You always belong here. You always belong with me. And I'm sure you belong with Rochelle. We're, you know, we get it. We understand the spirituality and bringing it into the world. So be that bridge today. Share it out with somebody. And uh, we're going to give kisses now. You ready to give kisses? Sure. Okay. Here come the kisses, everybody. Love you guys so much. And we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye Bye. for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show
1: Soul Take a so sip from the chip shop
0: and enter from the source of who it's you are.